welcome to the sermon podcast of Paoli Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Jonathan Mexel. As we head toward spring, as we head toward um, summer that's ahead, uh, my wife Jen and I are actually um, on the verge and are quickly approaching a very significant milestone in our lives. Um, our son Matthew is a sophomore in college, and our daughter Allie is wrapping up her senior year of high school, which is kind of hard to believe. And so we are quickly approaching that time that some of you in this room have experienced, that time of being empty nesters, and that time when your kids, <laughs> there's, there's some joy in that, yes, yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting kind of time when you see these, um, these children who are growing up and who are becoming more and more autonomous and making more and more decisions on their own. And, and um, you know, that has been happening for a few years now, but now it's getting closer to that point where they're no longer going to be in our house. And, um, you know, in some ways that's wildly exciting, as Bill expressed a little bit ago. Uh, in some ways it's wildly terrifying as they will, you know, be able to make all kinds of continue to make all kinds of decisions on their own. Will they make those wise choices? Will they follow the path that is right? And for those of you, there are some of you I know in the congregation here who are looking forward to those days uh, as, as teenagers or as young adults, um, you, you get a little bit of a different perspective when you get to the point of your, your parents' perspective on, on these decisions that you're making. Um, you know, at, at getting closer and closer to 50 years of age, um, Jen and I have some years of experience. And so we can look at some of these circumstances that Matthew and Allie are, are facing now and will face over the next couple of years, and we can say, from our experience, we, can, we, we have some wisdom and we can say, you know, you really should make this choice and not that choice, or go this direction and not that direction. And in some cases, they're going to follow the directions that we give them, and in other cases, they're going to make their own decisions, and they're going to go in ways that Maybe we wouldn't have gone, but in, they, will, they will face those consequences and face the, the results of those decisions. And through the course of that time, there, are t- there have been times already where they've made decisions that weren't necessarily in line with what we would have said. But in hindsight, sometimes they come back and we have a conversation and we recognize, you know what? You were right. We didn't have it all figured out, even with the experience and even with the perspective that comes with years of, of age and of learning. Being a parent is a challenging kind of thing. It can, be, it can be difficult to know always what is best for our kids, and we do the best that we can, but we're not always perfect. But we have a Heavenly Father, God, who has a perspective, has a way of looking at the world that is different than any of us as earthly parents. Unlike us who are imperfect, God is perfect. He really does know what the choices will lead us, which choices will lead us closer to Him, which choices will bring us lives that are good for us and that bring him glory. And he knows which choices will perhaps lead us down a different kind of path. We'll never be able to prove a point with God because he sees the end from the beginning. He created us. He knows what is best. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't look at the perspective that God has in the same way that God looks at that perspective. Now, we never say that we know better than God, but sometimes our actions speak louder than our words, don't they? We know that, for example, God says not to lie. But it would really look bad in certain circumstances if we told the truth, in work and in some certain, certain circumstances. And so sometimes we, we think, well, you know, does it really matter if we 
shade the truth a little bit? Or sometimes we are tempted to, to gossip or to lash out in anger or to steal someone else's ideas and pass them off as our own or to mistreat a coworker to get ahead or to go back on a promise. We, we justify ourselves and we give in to those temptations. But why do we do that? Sometimes it's because we really don't believe that God knows what is best. Temptation is that tension in our lives between God's best, God's plan, God's truth, God's uh, will for our lives, that on the one hand, and what we want, and particularly when what we want goes in contrast or contrary to what God's plan and God's will is. That's, that's at its root, that is what's temptation. There's this desire that we have on one hand, and there's this way of God, and when those are in conflict, we face a tension that we call temptation. Whose path will we choose, God's or our own? Well, when Jesus was living on the earth, he faced temptation. It's hard for us to imagine that, but Jesus faced circumstances in which he had the opportunity to choose God the Father's way or his own human perspective. And on this third Sunday of Lent, as we examine our own relationship with God, it's important for us to recognize the impact of temptation in our lives, but also to recognize that Jesus faced temptation, yet in the midst of facing that temptation— Jesus didn't sin. The temptation in and of itself, the, 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 um, that, that tension in his life wasn't a sin. But giving in, going the ways that we would want as opposed to God's ways, that is sin. And Jesus, Jesus didn't do that. And so as we look at this temptation in Jesus' life, we are going to be encouraged, hopefully, to recognize the temptations in our lives and hopefully recognize the ways that Jesus faced those temptations as an encouragement to us as we face the temptations in our own lives. So I'm going to read this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, where we read this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Once more, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him, serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Jesus faced temptation. And this wasn't the only time in Jesus' life that he faced temptation, but this is one of the more dramatic ex experiences that we see described in Scripture. And because he faced temptation, he understands what it's like to be tempted. He understands what it's like when you and I are tempted with all sorts of ways that where, where there's this tension between God's will, God's plan, and the attraction to do something other than that. How did Jesus face these temptations and not give in to them? What list lessons can we learn? 
This morning, we're going to look at a couple, these three types of temptation that Jesus faced and see how they may be related to the lives in which we live, and then also look at a couple of ways that Jesus responded to these temptations as an encouragement to each one of us. But before we get into those temptations, we have to look at the, the context, the immediate context at the beginning of this passage. At the start of this passage, we read that Jesus is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, where he fasted for 40 days. And we often see fasting when we see it in Scripture with this time of going without food. We also often see it associated with a time of prayer. And so we can assume that Jesus spent this time with the Father in preparation for the events that would soon occur. It was an important part of Jesus' preparation, not just for the coming 40 days and, and coming time of temptation, but for the next three years of ministry in which he would be in, at work. And in doing so, he, he sets an example for us of growing in his relationship with the Father. If Jesus, who was God, needed to spend time with the Father in prayer, then it's certainly an encouragement to each one of us to likewise spend time with God, not because we have to, but because we're invited to that relationship with God. And although this was a good opportunity for Jesus to grow something he needed to experience, as a human being, he was still hungry at the end of those 40 days. At the end of 40 days, you know, the, the, the closest example I can think of this is if you ever watch the, the show Survivor and you see at the end of that when they're getting closer and closer to the end and they're getting more and more hungry, that's kind of a glimpse, a little bit of what Jesus was experiencing here. He was hungry. He would have experienced hunger. And what happens to you and to me and many of us when we're hungry and when we're tired and when we're stressed out? It's not very easy, at least for me anyway, it's not very easy in those kinds of situations to make wise choices or to be particularly agreeable when tough times come. That was the circumstance in which Jesus found himself. And it reminds us that often it is precisely when we were at our, at our lowest physically, it's precisely at our, when we're at our lowest emotionally, when we're tired, when we're stressed out, that we're the most vulnerable to the temptations that Satan brings our way. Satan doesn't usually attack when we're coming off those, those uh, the, and are living in those times of, of particularly close attention with God. It's when we're tired. It's when we're, it's when we're a little bit weaker. It's when we're, we're facing stresses and anxiety that, that we're often open and we often need to be on guard against those temptations. Jesus was precisely at this point, and it says here that Satan came to him precisely at this point of vulnerability and, and tempted him in three particular kinds of ways. The first one, Satan came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now that, that sounds on the surface like an innocent enough challenge, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus was the son of God. He was hungry. Nobody else was around. He had, he had the power to turn these stones into bread. So why not do what Satan suggested and just provide for his basic needs? I mean, on the one hand, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with eating and fulfilling our need for food. So what was wrong with Jesus doing precisely that? But we need to understand that a, that a big part of what happens when you're, when you're fasting, when you're taking this time alone with God, is recognizing your dependence on God and a recognition that it is God who provides for the basic necessities of our lives. By taking control of this situation, by turning the stone into bread, Jesus would have been depending on his own ability. And instead of trusting in the will and the ways of God to provide. This temptation to use our own strength to meet the need instead of trusting God is 
was, was faced by the Israelites a little bit earlier back in the Old Testament when they were coming out of Egypt during the time of the Exodus. And in fact, the passage that Jesus quotes here is a look back to the book of Deuteronomy where God had promised to take care of the physical needs of the people, but they were dissatisfied with the ways that God had provided for them. They wanted to be controlled. And God said, here is manna, here is water that you need, and here is the food that you need on a daily basis. And the people said, we don't want it just like what God gives us. We want to control this. We want to do it our way. And Jesus says in this passage, we are invited and we are encouraged to depend on God for the necessities of our lives. Jesus rightfully withstood this attack from Satan. It isn't wrong to meet physical needs for food and other material things, but we must always recognize that God is the ultimate source of those provisions. Now, this temptation, as we bring it into our own lives, um, this, this call is often seen for us in a, in a call for personal comfort, personal pleasures that, that sometimes um, are outside of the ways of God's plan and God's will. I think the most common temptation in most of our lives is this desire for sort of personal satisfaction. And so we are, for example, tempted to, to cheat and to steal to get more money. Or we're tempted to not just eat to satisfy our natural needs, but to overindulge, resulting in all sorts of physical impacts. Or we're tempted to indulge our desires for sex outside of God-given parameters. And the list could go on and on of ways that we want to indulge our, our own personal desires and wants and, and ways of, of do, going about our lives. The temptation to find material comfort, to indulge our own pleasures in these ways are, are very real. We understand this temptation that Jesus faced because we too are tempted to put our own trust in ourselves and the things that we can feel and touch and experience. We too are pulled to find comfortable whether or not that's within God's plan or God's way of living life. Jesus, Jesus had this time of facing hunger as an opportunity to deepen his dependence on the Father. And we are invited in our lives to trust that God will provide for our needs. And that when in those times in our lives where God puts a, a barrier, where God says, you can, you can meet those needs this way, but not meet those needs this way, that we trust that God knows what is best and that God is leading us in the ways that are honoring the Lord. Are we more driven by God's desires or by our own impulses and urges? And that's the, the, the reminder to us here that Jesus was very hungry. He knew what it was like to want to go over the edge of that temptation. And yet, he didn't sin. Jesus withstood Satan's first attack. But Satan wasn't finished. Perhaps the attack on materialism wouldn't work, but something else might. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from the top of the temple and see the angels save you. Now again, there's some truth in the statement that Jesus was the Son of God, for sure. That, that is an absolutely true statement. And it was true that he could call the angels to protect him. But once again, this truth was distorted by Satan. Jesus' power wasn't given to him to be used frivolously or simply for the sake of utilizing power. If he jumped, he would simply be testing that power and, and making a spectacle. Now, some may argue that, that Jesus, some scholars have looked at this and argued that Jesus was entertaining some doubt about the angels really protecting him. In his human experience, by jumping, he would be able to prove what was the, that, that he had that power and that they would really be there to help. But the, the problem with that is that, 
that Jesus needed to have that faith that that protection was secure. He, he didn't have to actually see it, the trust that God the Father was providing for him. And Jesus once again recognized the ploy of Satan and refrained from jumping. It was a temptation based on who could control his apparent safety. Now the temptation to uh, indulge our material and physical desires, that first temptation, apart from God, is, is fairly easy for us to understand. But this, this second temptation, this, this temptation to seek safety at all costs, is a, is a bit more difficult for us to grasp sometimes. But it's still a very real temptation in our lives. Safety, whether physical safety or emotional safety or financial safety, is a, is a common word and a common phrase that we hear in our society. And on the surface, there is certainly nothing wrong with being safe. It isn't wise for us, for example, to recklessly drive our car or take on a similar unnecessary risks. You know, when, when, when you see people doing things that are, that are reckless, um, that, 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 is, that goes beyond what we're talking about here. But the problem for us as followers of Christ comes when we put a greater emphasis on our safety than on following the ways of God. You know, if, as you read through Scripture, we see again and again that God actually doesn't provide us, doesn't promise us safety. God promises to be with us. God promises to give us guidance and direction, but God doesn't promise that we will be safe. And so, for example, when we feel led to go to another country on a mission trip, the safe thing to do often is to stay home. You know, there can be scary things that can happen when you travel to places like Egypt or to Belize. But God is at work in these places, and being used by God is a greater calling than sometimes being safe. Sometimes the safe thing would be to, to not go and knock on our neighbor's door and, and, and develop a relationship with them and, and to, to give them opportunities to come to a faith in Christ. The safe thing would be to, to stay in our own homes. But again, sometimes God doesn't call us to be safe. Does that mean nothing bad is going to happen with, to us if we follow Jesus? No. As we mentioned a moment ago, the Bible is filled with examples of of people who faced very unsafe circumstances. But they put their trust in God. They made God's will and God's plan the highest priority, even if that wasn't the safest thing to do. Jesus withstood this temptation to safety. And we're encouraged as we see this temptation before us to follow his example. Having failed to to convince Jesus in these first two means of temptation, Satan turned to one final means of temptation, the temptation to, to grab power at all costs. Jesus, he said, I have power over the things of this world. If you bow down to me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. Now again, on the face of it, this seems like a really strange temptation. Jesus was and is God. He had more power than Satan, didn't he? Well, in an ultimate sense, he certainly did. But in coming to this earth as a human being, Jesus set aside some of his status, some of the power due him in order to serve humanity. And at this point, it would seem that Satan really did have something, at least in the moment, that he could offer to Jesus. It was possible in his power for Jesus to want more power and, and to, to want that now. But the power that Satan could offer was far less than the eternal kingdom over which Jesus would ultimately preside if he fulfilled his role of dying on the cross and of rising again. And Satan's offer came at a very, very steep price. Jesus would have to turn his back on the Father and worship Satan. 
And again, it's a typical ploy of Satan. He offers something that in the short term appears great, but really isn't God's best or what God would offer. Sure, in the short term, Jesus could have more, but ultimately he would have to give up God's best for what God had for him. And so once again, Jesus refuses Satan's advances. This temptation, the power, this temptation, the influences is also high in our lives. We want to have influence. We want to have more control. We want to have more ways of, of, of making a difference in our jobs, in our communities, in our families. And sometimes in order to make that difference, we sometimes just justify truly ungodly behavior in an effort to get more and more power and influence. Jesus wasn't willing to follow that example in his own path of influence. And we shouldn't be either. We are invited to see the example that Jesus set by standing against this temptation from Satan and by saying no. These were three distinct temptations that Jesus felt and experienced. And they're in line with many times experiences and temptations that we experience in our lives. Jesus willingly stood up to those temptations. He didn't give in. We can look at his life as a great example because unlike Jesus, though, we aren't perfect, are we? And sometimes when we face those temptations, instead of standing against them, we give in to them. Sometimes facing those temptations, we don't know quite how to respond, or we do know how to respond, and we don't have the internal strength or courage to, to say no. And so we look at Jesus' example and we say, if we're not perfect, how do we face these temptations? What are some, some ways that Jesus faced them that maybe are an encouragement to us? The first one that we see there is that it was the Holy Spirit who went with Jesus in this situation. In our own strength, we can't face temptations like Jesus. But God doesn't call us to face temptation in our own strength. In fact, Jesus didn't face it in his own strength. The Holy Spirit was there with him. And Jesus later in his ministry would say that after he went returned to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit who would come and would be a greater help to you and to me than Jesus could be in his personal flesh. What help did Jesus get in that facing temptation? The Holy Spirit was with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is with us, giving us the strength to face the temptations of our lives. Too often we as Christians fail to take advantage of that encouragement to recognize that the Holy Spirit is there, giving us a way of escape, giving us a way out, giving us a way to say yes to God and no to whatever that temptation might be. The Holy Spirit was one way that that Jesus found strength to stand against temptation and that we are encouraged to do also. A second example that we see in Jesus responding to temptation was he repeatedly quoted Scripture, didn't he? Jesus knew the truth that had been revealed in the Old Testament, and because he knew that truth, he was able to spot the distortions in the things that Satan said. Much of what Satan said was, was partially true. It was at a, at a measure of truth in it, but it wasn't ultimately true. And by understanding the, the truth of Scripture, Jesus could see that distinction. And likewise, when we face temptations in our lives, we are encouraged to, to understand and to be able to place the, the, the truth of Scripture in light of whatever that temptation might be so that we can understand God's will and God's plan. And also be reminded that God goes with us in the midst of those temptations. There's a, a third 
help, besides the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Scripture in our lives that actually Jesus didn't receive in this situation, but that is an encouragement to us. And that is, we need other people to hold us accountable, to go with us. When temptation comes up our, in our lives, we need other people around us to whom we can turn for help. Now, obviously, those have to be people that we trust and people with whom we've built relationship. But such accountability, such encouragement, such help can be truly invaluable. And we are, as the body of Christ, and as we have small groups, and we have other ways where we can gather together as followers of Christ, we have these opportunities where we can be an encouragement to one another, where we're not facing these times of temptation and, and, and challenge in our lives alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Scripture gives us insight into that. But we have the body of Christ standing with one another, holding each other accountable, encouraging one another, praying for one another, and being that kind of help. Before Jesus entered his public ministry, he faced a period of temptation. And in doing so, he understands our temptation. Our temptation to put our trust in the material things around us. Yet to, to, to find our security in our own abilities and the things that are around us. And to pull for power and personal ambition, trading God's best for a cheap imitation. And he knows that what it's like to stand up against that temptation. We too face temptation to sin in, in various parts of our lives. And we are invited this morning to stand against that, not because we're superhumans, but because we have a God who loves us, a God who through the power of the Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us, who through Scripture gives us greater insights of truth, and through the body of Christ helps us to stand and to be the people that God calls and invites us to be. As we put our trust in God and allow God to work, we may be amazed to find the strength and the help that only God can give. In the end, Jesus said, Away from me, Satan. And the devil left him. We need not be defeated by the temptations of Satan because there's a power that comes through the Holy Spirit at work in us that helps us to live according to God's will and according to God's plan. May we recognize that help that's available. May we follow in God's path and receive his instruction this day. Lord God, we thank you today that you are at work in our lives. We recognize the reality of temptation. We recognize that there's sin around us that, that seems oh so attractive. And Lord God, we recognize that you are with us in those moments, giving us strength, giving us power, giving us insight to follow in the path that you have for us. May you continue to strengthen us, Lord to follow your example, to respond to temptation in ways that honor you. But also, Lord God, to recognize that in those times where we do succumb, where we do sin, that you are there to forgive us, to bring hope, and to bring new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for that reminder today. Thank you for the ways that you're at work in our lives. And thank you for once again inviting us to pray as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.